been a long time. Been a long time. It's been a long, lonely, 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 lonely time. But we're back. And it's not just me. I'm Bobby Corella. This is Numbers on the Boards. Joining me today is my real life best friend on the internet, but he's my friend in real life and on the internet. We're best friends in both places. Jeff Skin Wade. Skin, my God, man. How are you? It's been a long time. I shouldn't have left you without a strong rhyme to step to. That's so here's right. what old guys do. Old guys want to tell you how great Eric B and Rakim were. Rakim is the greatest rapper of all time. And in uh, any time I ever hear someone say it's been a long time, that's the first thing I think of is the opening lines to I Know You Got Soul. Bobby, we're playing basketball much better than the last time we talked, so I'm in a good mood, brother. So much better. In fact, I don't even remember what life was like when the last time we talked. I'm sure it was just much more just full of despair and sorrow and anguish and pain and anxiety and, and just sports depression. But you went four games out of five. You win three games in a row by like yeah. two points. You feel like you're going to yeah. live forever. I mean, you and I are immortal now. We're floating on clouds. It's great to be a part of the Justice League or whatever it is we're doing now. Uh, the difference in January and February is so stark. Uh, last night we had um, off the top of stat about how, remember those games at the end of January where we had nine free throw attempts against Utah? And then I think a couple nights later against Phoenix, we had like 14 or something. Well, in the month of February, now that guys are getting healthy again and we're starting to see what this team is, et cetera, et cetera, uh, we have been second in the league in free throw attempts and first in free throw percentage since February started. So these are good trends in the words of our immortal hero, Derek Harper, attack the basket, my friends, and good things will happen. And we're seeing it with free throws. We're seeing three-point shots go down at a better clip. Luca's being Luca, and Porzingis is starting to get his sea legs. And so, you know, what we kind of thought this team would be when we were going into this season is starting to materialize, and they can obviously play way, way better than even they have in the last five games. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's kind of like the, the looming thing. And I guess, like, reason for maybe even more optimism is that for the end of January, the process was – iffy and the results were not there now the results are there the process is improving but you can still see clearly there's like a lot of room for them to get even better and so that's where it's like okay rack up your wins now while you're still figuring it out but just save them in the bank mm -hmm. and then you can maybe hit your stride later on in the season because this is in my opinion not as well as they could possibly play they have definitely at least another level that they can hit um and we've seen glimpses of it but I don't know. I mean, I, I don't really know where to start. So I want to kind of like go back to the thing that you and I were talking about really all season uh, up until now is when you have that many guys out with COVID, that many guys out in the health protocols, KP hurt and then back. And then as soon as he comes back, everybody's out. And then you're trying to reorient everything around this guy. And then you're trying to figure out your new starting lineup and yada, 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 yada. Throws everything out of whack. Your team's mm -hmm. like, uh, ecosystem is uh, not in its right place. The chemistry is not there. The routine is not there. There's no familiarity, no consistency, like individually or collectively. But now that everybody's back, you're starting to think, see things kind of fall into place. And I, the best, in my opinion, kind of like um, symbol or, or sort of like uh, the best evidence for all of that is Katia Viaba, who works on the, the Fox Sports broadcast, she does a lot of stats research and, and all that stuff for them. 
Um, she had a thing last night. I believe the Mavs tied their season high for bench points in a game with 50. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Hardaway Jr. and Jalen Brunson were like kind of the reason that they won the game. Willie Colley-Stein yep. was unbelievable after like getting two DNP CDs. Kristaps Porzingis, Josh Richardson weren't even on the floor at the end of the game because the bench is playing so well. And it's like, huh, that's great that they were awesome. But also like those guys were starting like two weeks ago. And so now it's like they have a full 10-man rotation and we're starting to see like what it means whenever you have so many guys that are available and that can play. Well, a couple of things. One, I agree with everything you said. I'm very happy that you mentioned Katia because she does a great job uh, for our broadcast. And so I like it when people that are behind the scenes get credit and she deserves credit and she does a great job. Um, but uh, so a couple different things that, that you're speaking about there. You know, when you're, I guess, for lack of a better word, we're analysts, right? Or we're media. And in, in my particular case, I've been watching the Mavs for 40 years. So I've seen all kinds of different seasons unfold in different ways. And so I have the perspective as well as, you know, my position allows me to be a little more big picture and philosophical where players and coaches don't have that. It is very much what's happening right now. Don't think about what's happening in a week or whatever. Don't even think about the next game. It's very much right now. And so it's easy for someone like me to step back and go, well, I don't expect them to perform at a top level because they're what they're built upon isn't there. So that doesn't give you an excuse to not play to the best of your abilities. And I think during those stretches, it was very evident. They didn't play to the best of their abilities. They still shouldn't have been swept by Chicago, for example. Um, But uh, you can, you can at least see where it will get better, where, where you start to me, like when you kind of go to that mode where you give up and have resignation is when you look and go, man, I have no idea how this thing gets better. And we've lived through those seasons, right? Like recently we've lived through those seasons, but I never once watched what was happening in the pits of January and thought, man, this team is trash. Uh, You know, should we cut KP? I don't know. You know, it's like all the, you know, crazy emotional overreaction stuff. But one thing that I've always been so impressed about with the New England Patriots organization and the San Antonio Spurs organization is it's a cliche, but the idea of next man up and you don't talk about who's not there because it gives you excuses not to win. And so uh, the Mavericks didn't play well during that stretch. And it was more than just guys were missing. They, the guys that were playing weren't connecting and now they're starting to find the ways that they connect. And your point about, Tim Hardaway and uh, Jalen Brunson off the bench is a great example of that, in my opinion. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. is a guy that could easily go, well, they took my starting job from me. That sucks. I'm going to pout. Instead, he plays hard as balls and is a huge part of filling it up off the bench and a big part of wins. He was a big part in that Houston winner in the year. Where he, what do you have, 30 off the bench? I can't remember what it was. Uh, he scored, didn't he score the first 10 points of the fourth quarter last night? And then I think Jalen Brunson had a nine point run. And those are guys that could be sitting there thinking about, well, I would have a better situation somewhere else. Instead, they're invested in this thing. And so those are really, really positive signs as to where the growth is going to come. And I, and they have, they're, they're figuring out new rotations. We should probably talk about that. Um, as well as they have lapses, like extended lapses where they're not dialed in. And that has to be fixed. Um, and, but I think it can be fixed. And I think that we're starting to see 
the direction that this thing can go, but they, they have to play way better than they're playing right now, but I think that they will. I think it's really important that the results are coming during this process too because kind of a full circle moment last night against Atlanta. <clears throat> if you remember last week or two weeks ago, whenever it was that Dallas played Atlanta for the first time, they were up 15. Rick pulls KP to get him a, a minute or two of rest or maybe just to sit him because they had, I think, a game the next night and whatever. And Atlanta scores like 10 in a row in like 30 seconds. And KP almost kills Mike Weiner with a water bottle, uh, inadvertently, of course. And then, of course, he comes back in the game, scores, and they win, and it's great, and it's great. And since then, they've been playing well. Last night, KP had five fouls. He's watching crunch time from the bench, and he's, like, going crazy because they're winning. Like, he's, like, the first guy off the bench, like, pumping his fist and high-fiving guys and, like, Josh Richardson is like playing air guitar on the sideline after a big Jalen Brunson basket. And it's like, these guys, if you've lost five in a row, would probably be pretty mad that they're not in the game. But because you're winning and because the guys that are replacing them are playing well, like it's just amazing how you get a couple wins in a row and, and, and it just sort of like you just can you can reunite as a team. You know, like all, all the all the mad, all the anger and all that stuff is just like it's in the rearview mirror, and it's you're you're totally focused on the here and now because you're just in a I don't know just in a better mood. Yeah, no, I think I think what you're hitting on is very important here, and I swear to God, I'm not trying to be dime store psychologist, but the circumstances of life for everyone with the state of the world right now is that things that don't go your way are exacerbated by the isolation and alienation that all people are experiencing. And I think the best example of that, the way that it was pretty clear from the body language of the players that they weren't enjoying playing together. And I don't think that this really tight knit group from the bubble just suddenly stopped liking one another. I don't believe that. I think things weren't going their way. And I think that the isolation from one another, man, I, but you know, Bobby, I do a lot of stuff in music and I've seen this, you know, with, bands a lot of times like if they you know were on the road or whatever and then they kind of went their separate ways for a little bit you know you're growing apart is what you're doing because everyone most people continue to grow you grow every day and so if you're a tight-knit group and you're apart from one another you're growing in different directions and it doesn't mean you don't like one another it doesn't mean you don't get along the Mavericks had to figure out a way to grow back together and I think that that story from a couple of days ago about Cuban addressing the team, I guess that was, which that was, was that the Saturday game? Which game was that? Before? It was before, it was the, before State, the Golden State game. Yeah. yeah this, the, the win is, you know, if you've not been in one of those situations or not been around teams, I think there's a way to read that and go, Oh my God, they don't like one another. What are we going to do? It's kind of like, you know, I'd always see these people freak out because there was audio of Des Bryant cussing a guy out on the sideline. And then it's this big topic and everyone talks about it. I'm like, well, if you've ever been on a sideline, guys cuss each other out all the time. Jer Jason, Terry, and Dirk almost got in fights. And all anybody thinks is that time where they were hugging each other and like, dude, this is an intense thing with, uh, you know, you're, exp you're spending everything you got, you're emotionally and physically drained. So there's a lot of, you know, room for things to go wrong. And it's not about whether or not these guys fit or like each other, don't like each other. They clearly like one another and they have, but they were growing apart while they were losing. 
and they had to figure out ways to come back together. I think what Cuban said mattered. I think what Rick and the staff says matters. I think what the players say, what, what another matters. And Jalen Brunson last night in our little post-game interview talked about coming together and not playing selfishly. So like, if I'm on, like, let's say that I do the radio show with Ben and I don't like the way he's broadcasting. And then he and I don't talk about it. And then we go on vacation for a week. Well, that's a week where we're apart. And the last thing that happened is I got mad at Ben. And so, you, you know, the, the whole point is that these are all fixable. It'd be different if these guys didn't like one another, but they do. But the situation and circumstance, and every, I'm not saying this is exclusive to the Mavs. Every team faces this. And the teams that are playing well together right now, they're not. It's okay. When they leave, they're all happy. But when things aren't going your way and then you isolate, you know, who knows what the people in your circle are telling you or what you're saying alone in your thoughts or you're not. These guys normally eat together all the time and hang out together all the time. I mean, what, four of these dudes were stuck in Denver for weeks? Like, what the hell, man? That's not normal. So now they're figuring out ways to get their normalcy back. Because if, you, if you've watched this team, especially during the bubble, you know that they like one another, you know they get along, and you know that they fit. Now it's getting back to that. And it's in a point right now where you can only see each other whenever it's time to work, right? Like you can't just hang out. So imagine if work sucks, it's going bad, whatever. Your company just laid off a bunch of people or like just, just, it's just bad vibes and you can't get out of it. Like every time you see your coworkers, it is about work. And, uh, you know, there's nowhere else, <laughs> like you'd rather be anywhere else in the world than where you are. And so it just like amplifies the badness. Whereas if you win some games in a row and you only see your people whenever it's about work, you're like riding high because, you know, you're, you feel like you're going to live forever. So it's just, I feel like the good is like amplified. The bad is amplified. It's a very unsteady sort of roller coaster season for every team. I mean, we're seeing Utah's rattled off like 16 out of 17 or something. Those guys have known each other forever. But, like, I bet you they feel like they're never going to lose a single game because, I mean, what's what's stopping them right now? But, Bobby, I read an article four months ago that Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert hate one another. I mean, they like, I read that article. Everybody else loves each other, though. But, but I read the article. Like, you know, a guy wrote it. I mean, come on, man. We should all believe this, and this is the way it is. I'll say one more thing. There's no bigger crime in this world than to actually have access to Bobby, but not get to spend real time with him. I mean, that is devastating. Yeah, but he and Luca cooked out over the weekend, and Dallas has not lost since. So just saying, we need to get Boban to my house, and he can cook for me, and I'll never lose a game either. Every podcast will be a complete banger. Uh, okay, little rotation talk, Skin. Uh, so Jalen Brunson, Tim Hardaway Jr. off the bench. Like, they're going to be all-stars or what? I mean, those guys are really, really, really stinking good. And uh, the question, like, Tim is great, and, we, and we've talked about Tim for a long time, but Jalen Brunson has not really gotten a lot of love on numbers on the boards over the years, and it's not because we don't like him. Like, whenever we're not recording, Jalen Brunson is, like, the object of our complete affection. Like, I think it's pretty well known by now that I'm, like, the – biggest J.J. Barea fan of all time, and I keep calling Jalen Brunson Gen Z J.J. Like, I feel like Brunson could be in Dallas for 15, 20 years, and, like, he'll be an all-time fan favorite because he just rules. But 
is he better than a sixth man? Is he better than a third guard? I mean, like, what what are we talking about with Jalen Brunson? Like, who is he? What is he? What can he be? This is going to be real offensive to a lot of people, but I think, and the first guy I heard you say it was Mike Bassick. He's definitely got a Derek Fisher thing going on uh, to where it's like, he's just solid and a winner. And so, you know, if it's like, if we were going to do like, even if we were going to describe Jalen Brunson's game recently versus last year, it's evolved. He, he does all these little things really well. And he's a steady influence. He's, he's just unflappable. He wins. He makes the right plays at the right time. His teammates know him and trust him. He's, he's just, a, a, he's uh, emotionally steady as it comes. There's just so many, you know, they all fall into the categories of quote unquote intangibles, but he is a winning player. And, you know, this idea of, is he a starter or not? You know, to me, those things, unless you're Luca or KP, those things are always context related. Is Dorian Finney-Smith a starter? Well, he's been a starter here for a long time. Um, is Maxi a starter? I mean, who's he playing with? But sure does work here. So I think he's just a winning basketball player. Uh, back when, you know, we used to do a lot of stuff with the Texas Rangers on the Ben and Skin Show, you'd hear the term winning piece. Talking about a guy, that guy's just a winning piece. You know, just thinking about it like it's chess or whatever. He is a winning piece. That's what Jalen is. He's a winning piece. And if he's on your team, no matter what role you have him in, that's good. That's a really positive thing. He he's a, he can do a lot of different things for you. And that was so critical last night because KP was in foul trouble. And uh, if I'm Jordan Clarkson, I'm looking over my shoulder. They're, they're coming for your six man glory, sir, because, uh, and, 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 and part of that too, Bobby, that I want to hear your thoughts on is pulling Luca earlier. So KP stays in longer. And if you're going to do that, doesn't Jalen Brunson become more important? because you pull Luca earlier and he comes in and kind of works with those guys. And it's important that the offense doesn't miss. And he's got this priority to keep KP engaged. Right. And he just seems really perfect, perfectly suited for that. And it also means that Brunson will be spending more time on the floor with Luca too, because of the way those minutes are all staggered. And I feel like he's always played really well off Luca and, you know, the, the Jalen KP pick and roll, you know, it took JJ and Dirk a few years to figure it out, you know, playing off each other like that. And so that could be a process. But Brunson and Luca have played together for three years now, and if they complement each other really, really well. And one of the th- – this was apparent on opening night whenever Brunson was the guy who finished the game against Phoenix. Didn't work out for Dallas, but Rick rode the hot hand. Looking back on last season – the, the, crunch, the crunch time offense was like the number one thing that everybody talked about all year because it just – it was not there. You know, they had some good moments, but they had a lot more bad moments. And it seemed like every game, no matter who was playing well, no matter who was playing poorly, it was like the same five guys on the floor at the end of the game. It was Luca, Dorian, Seth, Tim, KP. And part of that is like as the coach, as, as Rick Carlisle is like – we're going to need these guys to figure it out. So I'm going to keep going to them to see if they can figure it out because we're going to need to do it in the playoffs. And they just were never able to get there this year though. Rick is just riding the hot hand, no matter who you are. Like KP ended the game on the bench. Josh Richardson finished the game on the bench. Like Tim Hardaway, whenever he was starting earlier this season would finish games on the bench. Jalen Brunson has finished games, whether he's starting or coming off the bench. Like I feel like he's now just saying, 
at the end of the game, my five best players, regardless of position, and now maybe the score has something to do with it. Are you trying to get stops or are you trying to catch up? But my five best players are going to be the guys who end the game. And I, I wonder if that'll be something he does for the rest of the year or if he's just kind of doing it now because they're really, really desperate for wins. What do you think? Well, I think uh, I think that's a good question. You know, you can only do stuff like that if you've got a good deep roster and several guys that you quote unquote believe in. And so I think it's I think it's an indication that there's several guys that they believe in. Uh, number one, a Jalen to me has earned the the and I'm not talking about last night. I'm talking about in general. Jalen has earned the trust and. Uh, you know, KP had foul trouble. And when you have foul trouble, it's hard to stay engaged, you know, when you're in and out of the lineup and you come right back in and foul a guy, you know, that, that's difficult. So he had been incredible in the previous five games, uh, but it, he wasn't incredible last night. And Tim and Jalen were. So Rick went with it and it made sense. I think those things are going to be situational. But, but to me, you don't do that unless you believe in more than five guys. And I think it's pretty clear they believe in seven to eight guys that can do that sort of thing, depending on on what the other team is rolling out. And, you know, we saw that last night. And I think we'll continue to see that as long as those guys step up and deliver. Because, you know, Tim's been in the league for a long time now in a lot of different situations. You should be able to depend on Tim. And, you know, I do. And I think, you know, obviously Rick and those guys do as well. So looking forward a little bit, the offense has started to figure it out. Shooting numbers have been better. Everyone is kind of, you know, finding a little bit of a rhythm, which is good. Everyone's back. Everyone knows their roles. Numbers are starting to improve. The defense, though, started as top five, then it was top ten, and then fast forward a couple weeks, and it's (laughs) – I don't know what it is as of last night, but going into the game, they were bottom five in the league. And now playing Utah twice is going to do that to a lot of teams. Like Utah is a murderer, but there's been a lot of other games where they've given up 120, 130, like Golden State hit him for 147 in regulation. And so, you know, some of that is again, COVID recovery, everyone getting their legs back, everyone getting their lungs back. I mean, all that stuff. So that could improve, but when, when does it improve? I mean, do you, do you think that the team still has top 10 defense upside or do you think that they just got off to a good start and are kind of going to end up closer to the middle of the pack? What do you think? I think that they have the potential to get back up there. I think, you know, if you wanted to make an argument that Dory and Josh and Maxie were their three best defenders, I wouldn't argue with you. You know, you wouldn't put Wes in that conversation. And obviously KP has his moments and, and Willie has his moments, et cetera. But to me, if you're just – I wouldn't even think about it. You said, hey, Scan, who's the three best map defenders? I go, Dorian, Maxie, and Josh. Well, they were gone for three weeks, so your defensive numbers are going to take a hit, right? And that's not a gradual thing. Early in the season, that's the majority, right? And if you go and you look at their defensive numbers, that's when they went in the tank, when those three guys went out. Um, and I think part of it is, you know, working back towards that, rediscovering that part of their identity – And I also think we don't fully know how COVID impacts people. And, you know, defense is part of it is going all out all the time. And you may not be able to go all out all the time when you're coming back from that. And maybe that had a little part of Josh being on the bench at the end of the game too. I didn't think Josh played bad last night or anything like that. I think, you know, Tim and Jalen were crushing, right? But um, 
but I think it's going to be a long haul to get back there. And to your point, playing Utah and playing Golden State four times during that stretch with your guys back, but not all the way back, that impacts that. Uh, but I, I think it's going to be such a long haul back that I think by the end of the year, I think they're in the 10 to 15 range because I think that this is a winning organization and they will focus in on that. And I think they have the guys to do it. Um, it's just it's just a long haul, man. You have to be in that range to win playoff series too. Last year they were 18th. They were the worst defense to make the playoffs. We said coming in the year, you cannot be that again. You know, like you don't have to be top 10 to be a good team, but like top half, you kind of, you know, you kind of have to be able to get stops whenever it matters. And to their credit, I mean, they've been able to get some big stops in these games. I mean, you don't win games unless you get stops, right? And they were down, whatever, 12 or 13 against Atlanta. Uh, they've finally managed to figure out how to stop Kelly Oubre. So, I mean, they've had some small victories along the way. But, um, yeah, overall, that's – and I guess that's kind of like the biggest indication that there's a lot of room for improvement because they're much better than they were offensively a month ago. They're much worse defensively. And we know that they can get better defensively because we've seen them be good. So I think it's just going to be – yeah, I mean, it, it could be a long-haul thing. But there's not a lot of time, of course, because tomorrow's skin, it's the New Orleans Pelicans who, my God, they're on a roll lately. They've won four out of five, two. Their offense is surging. Zion is amazing. Um, obviously, you know, I'm not going to put you on the spot because I know that while you do watch every New Orleans Pelicans game, you know, it's only like replays and snippets and stuff. So, uh, Maxi versus Zion part two, Brandon Ingram is still a beast. What do the Mavs do to win that game? And then you got the Blazers coming in. Like it's, it's, it's going to get pretty spicy this weekend. I think what happens with New Orleans is, is if he their three point shots uh, point line, I think that's going to be a big part of it because if Orleans is so good uh, with the whole you know Z what Zion can do, and you know you and I are huge Brandon Ingram fans, that if on top of that, if the balls and the Reddicks and those guys are hitting threes, that's that's a problem. So they got to do a really good job defending that three point line uh, tomorrow night because if New Orleans hits their threes, you got problems. They were a team that I thought was the playoff team. They're probably my personal biggest disappointment in the NBA. I thought they were going to be – I thought this was the year uh, for them. They're starting to – like to your point, they're starting to do it now. Um, but I, I thought they were – I thought them and Phoenix were going to be the teams that made the biggest leaps. And Phoenix had their downtime. And now I look up and what is Phoenix is I think they're at 15 and 9 now. I think yeah, – like I, I think we were – yeah, they were 500 when we saw them in back-to-back -back games. And then since then, it's that. So, um, I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, in, I'm overly impressed with New Orleans. I think most people are. I think by the end of the year, they're a factor. And so, obviously, it's critical to not give them second-chance opportunities, and it's critical to really defend that three-point line because if they get hot there, then you've got a lot of problems. I want you to make me a guarantee – the Mavs play okay. to close out the homestand. They got three games left on the homestand, or is it just two? It's like New Orleans, Portland, Detroit. Is that right? Yeah, but I, hold on. I want to. I'm going to double down on it. It may not be the guarantee you're looking for, but I'm going to double down on a guarantee I gave on Mavs Live when I was doing it with Devin after the win. Let's see, what was the win right before the Golden State series? Who was that? Was oh that? Gosh, these are coming Atlanta. Atlanta, wasn't it? Okay. 
So after that Atlanta game, I said, by the time the Mavs go on that East Coast road trip that I think starts with Philly, the Mavs would be 500 or better. That was my bold prediction, and I'm going to stick with it. So that's what I'm telling you is they're about to ratchet things up. And I think that by the time they see Philly on whatever it is, February 24th or whatever that date is, I think they're at 500 or better. They've played Philly well the last couple of years, but holy Philly's cow. different. Philly is. Philly's <laughs> Seth Curry different. is, uh, he, he means business up there with them. Doc matters. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely, 100%. All right, is there anything, uh, in, any any final words, final thoughts? Oh, real quick, before, before you say anything, uh, I'm going to ask you a question and then cut you off. Um, if you have not listened to the Mark Aguirre episode on Open Run, so a, a couple times ago whenever you and I talked, uh, it was right after you and Harp only talked about Mark Aguirre. Like you just kind of brought it up in the middle of the conversation. Well, in the most previous episode of Open Run, if you haven't heard it, the man himself, like the, the real-life basketball player human, Mark Aguirre, was in the studio with you guys talking about his time in Dallas. It was the first time he's ever done an interview about his time in Dallas in like 30 years. I mean, this is truly, truly historic audio and, and just very important to Mavs history. And I know if you're listening to this, you're probably like 20 years old. Who's Mark Aguirre? This is a really good way to find out and a really good time to find out. We're celebrating 40 years of Mavs basketball. There's like maybe five or six people that are more influential in Mavs history and important and critical to Mavs history than Mark Aguirre for everything that he did for the franchise in the 80s and the way it ended and all that stuff. And so uh, you really, really, really need to go listen to that episode if you haven't yet. Uh, He is sort of the A-Rod of the Dallas Mavericks in terms of like, there's never been a better player, but there's never been a more divisive player. And, you know, media has changed so much. And I think it's such a big part of the story. I, when Mark Aguirre was Dallas Maverick, I was a teenager. And so my in game, you know, I went to every home game because my dad had season tickets. But, you know, if you just watched the team on the TV, you saw him maybe four or five times a year. You didn't see him that much. Um, so a lot of times your opinion was really, really uh, derived from the local columnists, which back then it was Randy. And, you know, those guys and me and Ben dearly in his older years, I treated Mark poorly. I was wrong. Uh, but, you know, the narrative has the die had been cast and the narrative is that Mark's a bad guy. And anytime it would come up, Harp would Harp change my opinion on it because I'm like, well, why should I have this opinion that Mark's a bad guy? when this dude that I love and respect sitting next to me tells me I'm wrong and he was there and he lived it. Why wouldn't I listen to Harp? So Harp said that it was possible that Mark would join us one day and we were getting ready to start the podcast. He goes, you know, Mark's supposed to be coming by. I was like, what? And so if you were to tell me, if you were to tell 14 year old skin, Hey bro, one day you're going to be sitting in a room with Derek Harper, Mark Aguirre talking about one of the biggest controversies in Mav history. I wouldn't have believed it was even possible. I wouldn't have. And so I I really can't believe that I got to be there for that. Like, yeah, I don't want to sound hokey or anything, but on that level, it was, it was extraordinary. And to underscore that. So one of the great Mav historians, because he's been here all these years is the guy who started the ticket, Mike Reiner. And, you know, I, Ben and I are very grateful to Mike that he gave us a chance and all those things. I got a text message from Mike last week. 
And he was like, man, I just heard this and I just can't even believe how amazing it is. And that's a guy that lived it. You know, he covered it. And so to get that sort of feedback from someone who would know uh, was really awesome. And, you know, all the feedback on it's been great. I would encourage anybody of any age that if you love the Mavs or even just basketball history, it's, it's riveting. I mean, I, I, I mean, we can just tell people as soon as it was over, I reached out to you and I was just sort of like, man, I don't even know what we have here. You just need to listen to it and figure it out because I'm, I'm sort of rattled right now. Like I couldn't focus. Mm -hmm. I was like, did that just happen? Did, did that really just happen? And it was reported. I was, I was sort of shell shocked by all of it. So hopefully uh, if you haven't listened to it yet, people go listen to it. It's, and it was all, you know, harp that made it happen. He, he's uh, he, he did some really incredible work there, man. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. It's, it's been a great series overall. I've really enjoyed what you guys have done with it. And so if you haven't, again, it's called open run search on iTunes, Spotify, whatever, um, there might be other if open run Mavericks or Derek Harper, or whatever it'll be there. Um, and also skin has tweeted it out. I've tweeted it out many times. So, uh, yeah, so check it out. Okay. Any other things skin, uh, before we, uh, before we get you on your way? Yeah, I'll make this super quick. Uh, so it's black history month and the Mavs are doing a lot of things. A lot of, uh, organizations are doing a lot of things about this, but, uh, you know, I saw a tweet from an old uh, co-worker of mine, uh, Lucius, uh, that, that works on the GBAC Nation. He's an awesome dude. Everybody loves him that, that works with him. And I'm paraphrasing, but he had said something about, you know, Black History Month is your history. Talking about all of us. And we have a, a tendency to, you know, uh, segregate these things, go, okay, well, this is for this people and this is for this people. And we're doing a tremendous disservice to our country and to the, all the people that live here, if we look at Black History Month, is it's this thing over here for Black people. This is American history. This is recognizing a part of American history that, uh, for uh, some really terrible reasons, is marginalized and overlooked. And I think a lot of it has to do with people don't want to confront the reality of our history. We want to think we're a perfect union and all of these things. We're not because we're people. And our history is messy and ugly. And we need to embrace those things so that we can become a more perfect union. And so I would like everyone, no matter what color they are, to really embrace the opportunity to learn something about this uh, country's history through the lens of Black History Month. It's very, very important. Yeah, dude, absolutely. Very well said. You and I, I mean, you've worked in music forever. You and I have worked in the NBA. I mean, it's we're living it every single day. You know, this is something that is definitely part of our history. Everything that's gone on over the years, everything that's gone on over the last year, over the last six months, over the last 24 hours is uh, very it's it's very important stuff that impacts a lot of people. And a lot of people feel very strongly about these issues and their voices simply have not been heard for a long time because, uh, you know, quite frankly, people that look like you and me don't want to listen. And uh, that's that's just got to change. And that's been another component of Open Run with you and Harp that I've really appreciated the whole time is that Harp has kind of you and Harp have echoed those sentiments and said, like, look, like it's we got to like we got to listen. We got to we we have to be willing to like be part of this as well. It's not you and us. It's like it's just us, you know, aren't you proud to be a part of an organization that cares the way the Mavericks do? Dude, so much. I'm so proud. I'm so proud. Going back, just thinking of the conversation you had with Scent last summer. I mean, like, all of this stuff is tied together, man. And and a lot of it 
I know that Mark is on the forefront of a lot of this stuff, but Sin has a lot to do with it too. And and the players have a lot to do with it. Former players like Michael Fenley, like there's so many people in this organization that are that are doing the right thing and their hearts are in the right places. Yep, absolutely. Uh, so just, you know, engage in some stuff you haven't engaged in before and see if you can uh, expand your outlook on life. It'll be good for everyone, for each and every one of us, no matter what we look like, what our background is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this is good stuff, man. Thank you for joining me. Uh, we got to do right, this Bobby. more often. What do you say? Yep. Every every time we talk, we say more often and it's just like <laughs> add on another week in between. Uh, yeah. so, uh, life, life gets in the way, but let's be more consistent. Dude, absolutely. We we will. We will. All right. He is Skin. I am Bobby. This is Numbers on the Boards. And we will see you at a point in time in the future. Yeah.